You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today's going to be pretty straightforward. We're going to talk about training camp from yesterday. A few little notes and tidbits that I picked up. And then uh, maybe look at a little bit more big picture type stuff. And... Um, there's going to be a bit of a contrast because yesterday was not good in pretty much any conceivable way that you can think of. But uh, there may be a silver lining or two in there. Might be getting a little far-fetched with my, you know, that's just what I do. Sort of dreaming in color over here, I guess. I don't know. But before we get there, remember the uh, phone number, text, or call. If you have any questions or comments for the show, a five-star iTunes rating and review would be greatly appreciated. And please do not forget... To join the biggest NFL season-long tournament, maybe ever. That, of course, is the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. If you didn't hear me yesterday, that's fine. I'll be reminding you daily. The best ball tournament is season-long, no management. Do your snake-style draft, set it, forget it. No trades, no waiver wire, none of that stuff. Just grab a couple friends, get up in this draft... Try to win $3.5 million, and then remember it was me that hooked you up with it because, I don't know, maybe you want to make a donation or something. I'm just saying, $3.5 million is a lot of money. Maybe I could have a little bit. I don't think $1,000 is that crazy. Don't be greedy, man. Leagues, by the way, start every couple minutes, so if you've got a hankering, just, just go right now, man. Just jump in, and in 16 weeks, boom, millionaire. Guess who's not going to work in 16 weeks and a day? You. Maybe me, I don't know, we'll see. I mean, I feel like we're friends, but I'm just saying. But before you go jumping in there wildly, just remember, for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into this multi-million dollar contest, but you gotta enter my promo code PACKERNET when you make your first deposit. So just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com. Come play free with promo code PACKERNET. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So as I mentioned, uh, there were a few, I guess, highlights, but big picture, as I said, it's, it's really hard to know because there's no real context of how good the players are. Right, Devontae beats Jair. Is that because Devontae's super good or Jair's really bad or maybe Jair's really good but Devontae's way better? There's no, there's no reference point. Well, the Texans are now a reference point. And unfortunately, but also fortunately, fortunately, but we'll get to that, unfortunately the Packers aren't quite as good as maybe we thought they were, at least not at this point in time. The offense in particular was just ugly. And that whole thing where Aaron Rodgers is just carving everybody up, and this is easy, not so much. But anyways, things started off pretty simple, pretty, you know, civil. Tremont Williams comes out and in place of Kevin King, which kind of makes sense and is expected. Very first play that I was made aware of, the Texans' terrible offensive line and lethargic running back absolutely gashed our 
unstoppable defensive line. Again, th- this these are minor things, and it's not anything really to panic about, but again, it's one of those things where this never would have happened with the Packers' offensive line and running back. I mean, the, the defensive line just absolutely stuffed everybody. It was hit in the back of the feet, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. Very first play to open it up, Lamar Miller just busts one open. It's like, well, shoot. <laughs> All right, just, just warm it up. Let's go. Then it became the Packers' turn. They try to run the ball. They cannot run the ball. Now, that's a little more understandable because the Texans' front is no joke. Um, it also became very clear that this is a different kind of training camp. I mean, that, that's somewhat self-explanatory. But the, the more, and I'm, I'm going to try not to jump the gun because this is for later, but the more I heard about this, even though it wasn't great, the more I realized that this is, this is a good thing. And so you see a note from Andy Herman, for example, it says this is much more intense. Hitting is a bit more lively today. Pads are popping. So this, this has much more of a real football feel to it. But anyways, the, the offenses continue to struggle. They're not getting the calls in. They have to re-huddle several times. And really, if you, I mentioned this before, but if you look at the Tennessee Titans, this same thing happened. And, you, you know, when we think back, it's like, oh, well, you know, Matt LaFleur went over to the Titans, and at the very least, the run game just completely opened up, right? Derrick Henry became one of the best backs in, in the league at the, you know, down the stretch. But go watch week one. The only thing they could do was pass the ball. They, they would try to run. They, they couldn't get anywhere. They were getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage more than they were getting positive, you know, yardage. It was real ugly, and they were also still trying to get calls in. It, it just it didn't look great. They won the game, I think. Maybe I'm thinking of Miami, which was week two. I don't know. Either way, the, you know, hopefully they can get this cleaned up. And the more practice they get, the more real live practice they get, the more this is going to help. But this is, this is apparently some pretty complicated stuff. And that includes the run game, which, you know, seemingly takes some time to get picked up. Because, again, the Titans, as good as they were down the stretch, were not a good run the football team uh, you also had for example David Bakhtiari going up against J.J. Watt no disrespect to anybody on our team but there's I, I can't imagine too many better things than having a training camp against you I mean it's one of the worst things you can have in a game going up against you know uh, a Watt or a Khalil Mack or whatever but as far as training camp or practice goes this is awesome for Watt and Bakhtiari and it also makes sense why you would go and pick a team like the Texans, right? You're not going to want to do this with the Bears because you don't want to help the Bears get better. You don't want to help Khalil Mack get better by putting him up with David Bakhtiari to get him some great practice reps. Forget you, dude. Let's pick some team we're not ever going to see that's not even going to be, you know, probably not even going to win their own division, but has some pretty good players, you know? And on the positive news front, Bakhtiari did at least win a couple. And I think if there was some positive on the notes front, it probably did come from our front and especially, well, from our defense and especially our front. Got a couple notes like Lancaster with a run stuff. Texans running back bounces it outside. James Crawford is all over it. So it just had a feel of a very um, trenches-oriented practice, right? The, the quarterbacks were kind of struggling. The stuff on the outside wasn't as clean, but the guys up front are just brawling. And by the way, I mentioned Trey Carson. He was... The uh, he got the first crack at first team reps over Dexter Williams. I don't know that that necessarily means anything, but I know Trey Carson has looked pretty good, and I have not seen or heard a ton about Dexter doing very good things. No, I'm not forecasting him getting cut. I'm just saying it's not impossible that Trey Carson is actually moving up ahead of Dexter Williams. Notice I said not impossible. I don't want anyone saying that I told you or projected that he's ahead on the depth chart. Because I've also said that these guys rotate with the ones and that kind of stuff all the time. Just saying it's not impossible, that's all. 
a sort of reiteration slash note from Andy Herman. Packers running game is a major work in progress. Nothing doing for any of the backs so far. I mean, it's 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 stuff like that where it makes you disappointed that this practice happened because, you know, I mean, this is the time of year where I can just pretend everything's awesome. But pretending everything is awesome is not going to help anyone. So as much as you look at this and go, man, really thought we were a lot better than this. Not necessarily the run game. Not like they were doing much, but it's it's not great to hear how far away from being good we are especially when the run game is a major component here this is what the whole offense is built off of and as everybody knows you know if if you can't run the ball you're in trouble because then you get teams especially teams like the bears or even the vikings with good enough defenses where they can say we're just you know we're just going to stay in our nickel because we know we can beat you you know even with a, a a weaker personnel up front we can we can stop your run that's going to get us in some trouble. Um, Rashawn Gary had a, another pretty solid showing. Uh, another note here, Rashawn Gary says, no, 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 on a stretch run, completely shut down. So this is an area where it's nice to see, too, because you look at, at the very least, right, you know, I, okay, so the run game isn't great, okay. I still want to see Rashawn Gary and, and, and Zeke. Don't know why I called him Zeke. It just, <laughs> it, there's a Z in both Zeke and Zadarius. Quick question for anybody out there, if there's any doctors listening. Can a lack of sleep cause brain damage? Because I'm kind of getting concerned about myself. Oh, whatever. I'll just call him Zeke from now on. If you keep doing it and do it confidently, people won't think you're dumb. It's a lesson for all you kids out there. Um, a- another example of, of this getting a little... Ch- there were several instances of quote-unquote pancakes. I know there was a video floating around by... I think it was a Bears fan. But it was the uh, Titus Howard, who was the first-round draft pick by the... Uh, Houston Texans, by all accounts, was a massive reach because they definitely needed a tackle and just kind of went out and got somebody. Could be wrong, but he essentially bear-hugged Kyler Fackrell and threw him on the ground, and, you know, apparently that's some great play or something. But there was that. Lucas Patrick slammed Carlos Watkins into the ground, and also Lane Taylor, this is from Aaron Nagler, Lane Taylor just drove drove Joel Heath into the ground on a run to his side. He mentions he wondered if uh, Jenkins getting some of his snaps yesterday kind of motivated him. But either way, there's a lot of instances of, of offensive linemen just absolutely obliterating people, which is nice to see because, again, you're probably not going to do this to your own teammates. But you get somebody else across from you that you don't necessarily care about, probably just going to try to hurt them real bad. Um, another positive in this game was, and I know there was uh, a bit of a low light that uh, a low light that highlighted Jay Sternberger, but really, this did seem to be a, a relatively good showing for him because he kept popping up, which maybe has something to do with why he kept getting hit because somebody was getting frustrated. But, you know, for a guy that you haven't really heard his name much throughout the last, you know, I think this is training camp day 10, I think. It should be in the title. I don't know. I'll figure it out later. But, I, you know, maybe once or twice he's been highlighted as having some catches and suddenly there were several in this game. And then back-to-back good notes and, and, and the stuff that I want to keep hearing. From Nagler and Hodkowitz. Nagler says, Kenny Clark versus Greg Mance on one-on-one is unfair. That's a good thing. Zadarius Smith hits circle against Khalil in one-on-one. I'm assuming that's a Madden reference. I don't know exactly what circle does, but I'm thinking maybe it's like a power thing. Right? Right, guys? Whatever. He won. Get out of my face. Then you start getting into seven-on-seven time. Uh, Billy Turner also showed up. Looked like he had a pretty solid outing. And that's when the injuries started to pile up a little bit. Uh, one of the scariest moments was right off the bat, as soon as these 7-on-7 sessions started, Sidarius Smith kind of seemingly like tweaked his ankle and goes limping off the field. Fortunately, it was about, uh, 
I don't know, five, ten minutes later. Felt like an eternity, but he came right back on the field. But that's pretty scary stuff. Some other trench notes. DJ Reader d- d- obliterates Justin McCray, as expected. Lane Taylor goes one-and-one one with Carlos Watkins. Uh, Whitney Merciless and David Bakhtiari going one-and-one. And, one. and Elton Jenkins absolutely manhandled Albert Huggins. All right, so it, it, it's kind of, at least insofar as offensive line and defensive line in the trenches, things are kind of as we expected, right? McCray is not very good. David Bakhtiari is pretty good. Positive notes from Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner that they still were able to hold up against the Texans for the most part. Rashawn Gary still looked good. Zadaria still looked good. Kenny Clark still looked good. So as far as that goes, especially offensive line because the, the Texans' defensive line is really talented, you can definitely count that as positives. And there's just a whole lot of back and forth and that kind of stuff, and I'm not going to read every single one of these, but that's the general feel for what happened. Then you start hearing some notes about the passing game. Number one, Rodgers can't hit Adams on a little wheel route, frustrated with himself. Receivers really struggling to find separation in seven-on-sevens. The absolute worst note I could ever read. Quarterbacks are having to hold the ball for a long time. And that that's doubly bad because, first of all, the, the Texans' corners aren't exactly world beaters. Not that they're bad, but this isn't like the Legion of Boom or anything. So coming into this, the assumption is, well, the Packers receivers are just, they took a massive step, and the quarterbacks, especially Aaron Rodgers, are super in sync, and the corners are doing a good job. They just can't quite keep up. Well, apparently the receiving group and quarterback group isn't as elite as I thought, and it really kind of makes me wonder about our corners who can't cover these guys to save their lives, and the Texans come, and day one, it's like, well, this is easy. There's nowhere to throw the ball. Our guys can't get open. Imagine that. Again, it's training camp. You're trying different stuff. I'm just saying, still, at a skill level, a receiver is trying to get open, and the quarterback is trying to throw the ball, and the corner is trying to stop them. In training camp with Packers against Packers, the wide receivers are trying to beat the corners and do it relatively easily. In training camp against the Texans, the Packers are trying to get open and can't. This isn't actual football, but it's not irrelevant. As of right now, I think it's safe to say the Houston Texans' corners are a little bit ahead of where the Packers' corners are. Um, Some more really bad news. The other thing that's annoying about this is the things that didn't look good felt exactly like the 2018 Packers, right? You got the impression like, oh man, this is just a different team. First negative, Packers can't run the ball very well. Not that that was a 2018 thing necessarily, but it was supposed to be like, oh, the run game's going to get a lot better. Granted, Aaron Jones isn't in, Jamal Williams isn't in, but you know, can't really run the ball. Number two, wide receivers can't separate. And then number three, maybe the most abysmal of all, special teams. Special teams was horrible. Here's the first special teams note I got. It's from Andy Herman again. Tyron Johnson just had a big kick return for the Texans against the Packers special teams unit. Looked like he would have taken it to the house. First kickoff. They may have returned it. Then get this. Here's the continuing on. Now another kickoff and another monster return. This one may have gone too. Some serious work to do for the Sean Menengas special teams unit. Two kickoffs, both of them may have gone all the way. What in the world is that? Yes, I know it's training camp, but that's not an excuse for everything. Pretty unacceptable stuff. Pretty crazy. Then, you know, getting roughly an hour in, we get our first little confrontation. Tony Brown and uh, Joe Webb get into a little bit of a shoving match, but it kind of separates, no big deal, whatever. Um, Another highlight that continued was Danny Vitale, right? We can't really run the ball. We're struggling to throw the ball. Danny Vitale, though, he's the guy. He can block. 
He can run routes. He can catch balls. And the cool thing is, if you look at the very first note here from Nagler, Rodgers hits a wide-open Vitalian team, no one within 10 yards of him. That's sort of that mismatch thing. And that's going to be a key component as well, because there are going to be times the wide receivers aren't open. That's going to happen. The question is, what are we going to do about it? Well, if we've got a guy like Danny Vitalia that can slip out and kind of have a blown coverage or a mismatch or whatever, those are good things to have. And that's essentially what happened here. Don't know what was going on down the field. For all I know, everybody was blanketed, but the fullback slipped out and nobody covered him. Uh, more struggling in the pass game. Rodgers goes deep for Equinemius, broken up by Jonathan Joseph. However, and th- this is this is interesting too. I didn't necessarily pick up on it yesterday. As much as the wide receiver quarterback thing wasn't going well, I mentioned, well, I mentioned Vitaly, obviously. I mentioned Sternberger, and then you look at this, no, big play Rodgers to Tanyan, right? This is kind of the it's kind of the weird part about maybe this whole scheme and everything else. Obviously, you want to hit your wide receivers and you want to be able to scheme them open. But there's sort of this feel, and, you know, again, this is the first training camp against another team. But who are the guys that are able to step up in the absence of wide receivers not getting open? Tight ends and fullbacks, right? (laughs) Another team shows up, they lock down the wide receivers, tight ends and fullbacks just dominate the day. Which is great, because at the very least, in 2018 with a Mike McCarthy-led offense, if you shut down the wide receivers, you kind of shut down the Packers. Not just the offense, the Packers, because the Packers' offense is the entire team. You weren't seeing a lot of, you know, dump it off to the fullback. And as much as McCarthy gave lip service to loving tight ends and understanding how vital they are to creating mismatches, he didn't seem to know exactly how to do that. So that's one positive out of this whole thing. A little while later, it was Kaiser to Sternberger, as I said. So this is catch number two, and it was the first time he got laid out. This was from safety A.J. Moore, but he holds on to the pass. All right, so completely unnecessary, got completely laid out. But hey, another great pass, another great catch by a tight end. He takes a hit and still holds on to the ball. That's awesome. Aaron Rodgers again hits Danny Vitale, but it's starting to heat up a little bit. And in fact, it was Aaron Rodgers who kind of started chirping up first. When, when Sternberger got taken out, Aaron Rodgers started screaming at the Packers defense. Now things are starting to heat up. Rodgers is hitting Kumaro. Robert Tanyan gets another re- reception. This time over safety, Justin Reed. But things are still kind of brewing underneath, right? Matt LaFleur goes and walks over and has a conversation with some of the defensive backs for the Texans. So it's kind of this weird little dynamic where the Packers offense starts picking up a few yards. Things are kind of brewing. Texans are starting to get a little bit frustrated. They're getting a little overly physical. Rodgers hits Darius Shepard on a big slant, big play. It's another guy who's really... I'll tell you right now, and I really need to get on this 53 because I'm going to do several, and it's just, you know... I don't know, maybe that'll be something to work on in the next couple days. But he's he's going to be on that 53. Darius Shepard has been unbelievably impressive. And as hard as it is to make this squad, I, he just seems he seems legit. I think he may be sort of the number two slot, I guess. And yeah, that, that probably means, it means what you think it means. Right? There, there's, there's the guys that are locks. There might be one more spot, and I'm kind of leaning toward, very heavily leaning toward giving that to Shepard. But anyways... Practice continues on. Raven Green gets hurt. So now this is sort of injury number two. He's walking on his own, but he heads into the Hudson Center. So the Packers are heating up. The practice is, is heating up phys- you know, physically. The injuries are starting to ramp up. Dexter Williams has a nice catch and runs up the sideline. Brian Balaga shockingly kind of dominated J.J. Watt for the day. Uh, another note, Rodgers rolls out. Texans all over it, nowhere to go with the ball, throws the ball away. So really good competition going on there. And then the first sign of something happening, Aaron Nagler posts, fight. Matt Schneidman posts, fight. Andy Herman posts a picture, says, huge fight, three exclamation points. And by the way, there's 
mixed reports. A lot of the, we'll say, local media that was there said it was a massive brawl. Some of the more national media that maybe isn't whatever. Some people said it wasn't really that big of a deal. But essentially, this was the play, and if you didn't hear, Jay Sternberger caught another pass. This time, Lonnie Johnson comes across, smacks him so hard it knocks his helmet off, and Lucas Patrick decides, you know what, that's enough, and he goes flying over there. That causes all the Packers and all the Texans to go running over to that direction. This is the second time Jake Sternberger got hit, and Lonnie Johnson not only is the one that does it unnecessarily, but then flexes over him. And to be honest, I kind of wish... I mean, for obvious reasons, I wish he didn't flex, but I'm curious what happens if he doesn't flex, because either way, the second time Sternberger gets hit, somebody needs to go over there and just jack this dude right in the throat. If it was just the flexing that got you upset, come on, man. But either way, it needed to happen. Um, I mean, and and the the Texans were playing dirty. I mean, this is just the beginning. There's more. They came out, and they're just playing dirty, and it's just, we'll get to it, but this is far from over. And if it wasn't a big fight yesterday, I really, really expect there to be a big fight today. If there's not, I'll be completely honest. As much as the fight isn't good for anything or anyone, I'm going to be pretty disappointed in the Packers. Again, we'll get there, but I'm just telling you right now, it needs to happen. It needs to happen soon. That is unless they just decide Lonnie's not going out because the Texans are wise enough to say, if we put Lonnie Johnson out there, it's going to be a problem. Then maybe, maybe then the Packers don't send a message. But I'm telling you, if Lonnie Johnson's out there, I expect, and I'm talking about if I'm the head coach, (laughs) I I maybe don't say it directly, but I sort of very strongly hint that I expect this to be rectified within the first 20 minutes of practice. I'm not kidding about that either. But again, we'll get there. So of course, Jake Sternberger has to go back to the, uh, the Hudson Center, checking him out for a concussion. He comes back out. He was cleared. He's fine. But then we get the second note of something happening. Here's a note from Jim Ozarski. Rashawn Gary was wrecking things so badly for the third-string Texans offensive line, he was grabbed hard from behind and was bent backwards awkwardly as he fell. A little slow getting up, but he did. So Rashawn Gary got hurt because the Texans grabbed him from behind and twisted him to the ground. Dude, what are you doing? Like, good on Rashawn for not getting up and just knocking him out. Yes, it is football, but give me a break. Like, you're frustrated that you're getting beats, so you're going to go out and, like, twist somebody down to the ground from behind? This is what I'm saying, man. This is what the Texans were doing. They came out to Green Bay, and they just basically said, we're just going to pummel these guys into the ground. We're going to play dirty. And they're not going to do anything about it, and that's what I have a problem with. I'm going to stop, because we're not there yet. So after that drill concluded, Aaron Rodgers goes up to Angelo Blackson from the Texans, and they're face-to-face screaming at each other. So it's getting heated, right? And this obviously has nothing to do with Lonnie Johnson. I mean, unless he was defending him verbally or whatever. But, I mean, this is a defensive lineman. So more things are happening. He's doing things he shouldn't be doing. And Aaron Rodgers is calling him out and it's starting to fight. So, again, they they don't stop. Another negative note from Andy Herman. Packers offense not up to par so far. Rodgers can't connect with Adams. Lots of incompletions. Texans winning the battle so far on this side of the field. So, I mean, that's, that's what it is. That's essentially what day one was for the offense. Another note, this is from Aaron Nagler. Trevor Davis gets spun like a top on his first return and is slow to get up. I don't know if you necessarily call that dirty, but still, I mean, spun like a top, what does that mean? I mean, that's that's full contact somebody just laid into him. He had a hard time getting up from that. Texans just laid out Trevor Davis. Here's what Andy Herman had to say about it. Looks like Trevor Davis is going to head inside. It looked like he may have gotten face masked on a return and landed awkwardly. 
Injuries piling up. Interestingly enough, most of the injuries are coming from dirty plays from the Texans. Another negative note on the special teams from Andy Herman. Packers kick return goes nowhere, and let me know if this shocks you. There was a flag on the return. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. He goes on to say Texans are much better today in most phases, to be brutally honest. Injuries, poor special teams, incompletions summarize the day so far for Green Bay. Then, Jay Kumro has the sideline holding his hand. As far as I can tell, this had nothing to do with the Texans doing anything wrong, but it is another injury. Uh, Raven Green ends up coming back. And then uh, the Texans decided it would be a good idea to send Lonnie Johnson in. Apparently the coach said something to the effect of it was time for him to hit the showers. Which seems like a good thing, but I can tell you right now that the, the Packers and the Texans are not on the same page with this. So, then we get into some field goal kicking. Um, a little surprised to say Ficken won the battle. They kicked uh, extra point 39 yards, 50, uh, 45 yards, 48 yards, and 51 Ficken was 5 of 5. Crosby missed the 48. Now, I'm more impressed with Ficken than I am disappointed with, with Crosby. Crosby, this is his first day back, and he missed one from 48, and he banged through a 51. That's pretty solid for any kicker. I, I am impressed with Ficken, though, to rise to that occasion. Again, he's been missing several kicks. The first day of actual competition, he goes 5 for 5. Good on him. All right, this is, this is competition ramps up. How is he going to rise to the occasion and with all the extra pressure? He's better. That's a good thing. Uh, then you got Lucas Patrick limps off the field. A couple more plays. You know, Rodgers hits MVS. Cool. Tony Brown apparently actually had a really good day against DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sure it wasn't perfect, but, you know, any sort of success by a guy like Tony Brown against a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, pretty impressive. And what I mean by like Tony Brown is, you know, well, to be completely honest, no expectation. He's an undrafted guy that's, you know, what, fourth, fifth on our depth chart? Going up against arguably the best wide receiver in the game? I'm not going to apologize for the way I phrase that. If you don't like it, I mean, come on, man. Uh, Preston Smith also seemed to have a good day. I skipped over a couple of his notes, but he's popped up a couple times since I've been looking through this. So, um, yeah, he was looking pretty good as well. Then, before we can close this thing out, another note about Mr. Danny Vitale. Huge play alert. Who else? Rogers to Danny Vitale. Deep. And the one thing I like about this is you get different tweets and you get different contexts. That was Andy Herman. Nagler highlights that it was a contested catch. So it's, it's, it's a fullback that was a deep pass and a contested catch. None of these things really make sense from the context of a fullback. Wes Kodkowitz said it was one of the best catches in camp so far. Ryan Wood said it was about 25 yards down the field. Uh, Kaiser throws some interceptions, you know, typical day at the office. And that's about it. It's about a two-hour practice. Got a lot of work in. They had several different drills going on at the same time. Two hours is a long time, and if you, especially if you figure there's about double the amount of of, uh, of production. That It's an equivalent of a four-hour practice, which is sort of the first step in, in looking at why this is a good thing. But we'll, we'll get into that next. Let's take a quick break. Then I want to just share a couple thoughts. Number one, on some of the positives of doing this and why I like it and then also uh, about this whole Lonnie Johnson situation. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So yeah, that, that would be number one, is the extra work that gets put in. But I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, when, when you look at it, OTAs are a, a form of practice, but it, it does, you don't learn very much. And then, you know, the, you get training camp with no pads, then you get training camp with, you know, shoulder pads and shorts, and then you get full pads. And just as you add these layers, you get more practice. And we, everybody kind of understands that teams really aren't ready by September, right? There's not enough practice. There's not enough this, that, or the other. The more that you can do, the better. And I, I really think that this is sort of like a pre-preseason. It's almost like we're adding two preseason games, right? The, 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 the physicality of it, the, the ability to go up against another team. And again, it shows you some of your weak points. It kind of highlights it a little bit. I, I'm, I'm guessing I'm not the only one, and the, and the fans aren't the only ones, who didn't realize some of the issues and what, how glaring they were until you go up against a team like the Texans. Suddenly, Menenga's looking at it going, wow, our group is not very good, right? This, this run game isn't quite clicking. Thought it was. Thought the, the, the passing game was going real great, you know, miscommunications and all that. But, I mean, it, it, it's a very, very good thing. And, again, the extra contact is also important because that's a part of getting seasoned. There's a reason why teams get better as the season goes on. There's a reason why teams are more in sync and more ready to go by November than they are in September. And it's not because they're a couple months older and wiser. There's just a process of getting in football shape. There's a process of, of hitting. There's a process of game speed. And um, it's just it's it's just a better way to practice. It's one thing to, to kind of practice against a your own team and you know things aren't super crazy and they're you know the competition level is even lower as much as you hear Rodgers say I want to you know shut Tony Brown's mouth because he's talking too much there's a different level of I want to beat them when you're going up against the Houston Texans and they raise their level of play and it gets harder I, I think the Packers growth after this match with the Texans is probably a bigger step toward becoming a a better football team then they've probably taken this entire training camp. I mean, it, let me put it this way. It, over any three, four, five-day period, th- this this sort of changed the Packers and, and who they are, and, you know, especially the rookies who don't even really know what this is like yet. They got an idea of what um, NFL training camp is like. They don't know what NFL football is like. They got their taste of it, especially Jay Sternberger. So I think this is good, and this is going to give us an advantage over some of the other teams that aren't doing this. And when we're talking about football and we're talking about games coming down to to a, a single play or a single drive or whatever, as much as these little things maybe seem like they don't matter, football always comes down to, you know, what was that Al Pacino line, the six inches in front of your face? It's a game of inches, man. Stuff like this matters. And as, as brutal as it was with the injuries and with the Packers just not playing very well and getting shown up and getting you know knocked around, getting absolutely punked up and down the field... I think this was a very, very good thing, and that kind of leads into the second part of what I wanted to talk about. You know, I think, and I don't want to overstate this, but I think for a very long time there's been something in the Packers' DNA that is 
and we, we heard this a long time ago. This is when the Packers were going up against the 49ers back in the day, back when things got real heated with them, and there was a label for the Green Bay Packers of being soft. I don't know that the Packers necessarily ever shook that label. And when you think back, even last year, everything, it, it felt like a business. The Packers ran plays. The Packers did press conferences. You know, when the Packers did well, they, you know, there, like I said, there wasn't a lot of celebrating on the sideline. There wasn't a lot of emotion. It just felt cold. And if you think back about the times that the Packers have been emotional, it's usually been very positive, right? The guys are just kind of goofy. They're fun. They're nice. You know, the offensive line get together. They play board games. You know, the wide receivers got together. They went to Jordy Nelson's farm, like, you know, hung out with animals. Aaron Rodgers goes out and takes Danica to go hang out with the Dalai Lama. Jamal Williams is kind of goofy. You know, he likes to dance. I was a little surprised um, by Matt LaFleur because we knew that there was this no tolerance policy for fighting. And apparently after the press conferences, after the press conference, it, it took me a minute to understand how these two things can go together, the zero tolerance and what he said. But essentially what he said was, well, his, his exact quote, there's no place for that. I'm going to back him up too. I'm not going to be able to do a lot, but I'm going to try. There was also a quote from Billy Turner later. Apparently, Matt LaFleur said before the game, and here, here is Billy Turner's quote, he was clear with us, and we were clear with him. If they started taking shots on our players, we're not just going to stand there. We're not punks by any means, and that's what happened. So we were men of our word, just like he was a man of his word. There was an understanding between not only just the players, but Matt LaFleur, that if they do something, you do it back. And it, it took me a fraction of a second to figure this out, but essentially this is very simple. This is the equivalent of your dad telling you, I better not ever find out that you started a fight. However, somebody starts a fight with you, you better finish it. That's exactly what this is. So Matt LaFleur has zero tolerance for any of his guys starting fights. However, he has an expectation of his players that if somebody does something like they did to Jay Sternberger, you better get over there and rectify that situation. He wanted his players to go get into a fight. There's another quote from Billy Turner. I'm going to stand up for my teammates regardless if you're on offense, defense, or special teams. If you punk one of my players, I'm going to be right here behind you backing you up. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter when it happens. So if they want to play like that and they want to take side shots, which we were told wasn't going to happen, you know what? You keep seeing some of your players out there getting laid out in the middle of the field like they laid out 87. After that, it was just a wrap. Notice he said, you keep seeing some of your players get laid out like happened to 87. So Billy Turner is acknowledging exactly what I said. That wasn't it. They kept doing it. He was told, everybody was told, no, there's not going to be any fights. We're going to, you know, do whatever. And the Packers honored that. They weren't taking cheap shots on anybody. And here come the Texans just hitting everybody, yanking people from behind. And again, you got that highlight video that was oh so condemning of Kyler Fackrell. Essentially, the tackle bear hugged him and threw him on the ground. Then there was the most shocking quote of all that I had never considered, but it came from Devante. Devante said, despite you know being told that it wasn't going to happen, he knew it was going to happen, and here's what he said. He said, I expected that. I just didn't know when it was going to come or who was going to get hit. But you look around the league and all the joint practices, it's always something like that is going to happen. And, and I, I, if you just stop it there, it's like, okay, so he's just saying he thought it was going to happen because they always happen, right? But then he goes on to say, because the only thing that stops people from doing stuff like that in the game is getting fined or getting a penalty. You don't get either of those things in practice, so it's bound to happen. That's crazy. The only reason somebody doesn't take their helmet and drill somebody in the side of the head is because they don't want to get fined or suspended. So the Texans are coming here 
with the mentality that we can do whatever we want and we can get away with it and we're not going to get in trouble for it. So we're going to go out and try to hurt some of these Packer players. We're going to lay them out. Devontae Adams goes on to talk about what happened when he when he flexed over him. So that's unnecessary. We are in practice. We have plenty of time for that. You can do it in games and get fined. You can be a coward and do stuff like that in practice. It's not a good look. So Devontae goes out and calls him a coward. This is all after the game. Are you getting what I'm saying about something building up? And it's we're not even there yet. And I'm sure some of these players didn't even realize some of the other dirty hits that were going on. But they are finding out as time went on. They're finding out how dirty the Texans were. Then, when uh, the head coach, Bill O'Brien, is asked to comment on it, and by the way, they actually had a video. It was the first time I've seen it. It does not look like a big fight. There's a big pile of people standing around. But Bill O'Brien says first, it was a play that developed over there. It was time for Lonnie to head to the shower. He added to that, it's not a big deal. The head coach. So the head coach who agreed with our head coach, hey, we're going to, you know, take it easy. We're not going to be doing that kind of stuff. Rather than saying that's that's unnecessary, we don't tolerate that, he says, it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, he needed to cool off, so we sent him in. But, you know, it's whatever. It's no big deal. Oh, really? So then what seemed to be something that maybe was going to kind of cool this thing off, Lonnie Johnson goes on Twitter. He says, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Just want to be great. I don't know what the effect would have been if he'd have just left it at that. Maybe it would have been okay. I don't know. But then, this dude goes on Instagram, finds a picture of himself flexing over Jay Sternberger, who looks like somebody who just died. He's literally curled up in the fetal position, looking like he's having some kind of a seizure. And he posts that as if to brag about it, then says, gotta drop on this flexing, which, who knows what that means. Pretty sure that's not English, but, you know, it means something about, yeah, I'm got to flex sometimes, I guess. I don't know. And then he says, hashtag, it's football. So he posts a picture of a Green Bay Packer wincing on the ground with his helmet off and him flexing over him, and he's bragging about it and saying, suck it up, it's football. You know... This might be a pretty important moment. You know, it's, it's funny because, and I've said this a thousand times, and I feel like I say it every day, but there was sort of this feeling initially that Mike McCarthy was sort of the, the tough guy coach and Matt LaFleur is going to be the cool guy coach. But I think M- Mike McCarthy was sort of the the tough guy in, in a sense that like a dad who works two full-time jobs is is like a hard a hard guy. Doesn't necessarily mean he's mean. He's just kind of hardened. But I wonder if if this is going to be an important moment and an important step in moving away from that soft label. Because in a sense, as disgusting as this is, this is football. This is what it is. Football players are and always have been a little crazy, a little off the radar. right? Back in the day when guys used to go out to the bars and guys with missing teeth gets into big brawls, show up to the game smoking cigarettes, half drunk, and getting into fights on the field. Those are football players, and that hasn't changed very much. There's just a lot more rules that try to restrain people. You know, you got a couple guys that are doing crazy stuff off the field that they shouldn't, but listen, it, it just it just takes a little different kind of a somebody to be a football player, and maybe, it you know, whatever. And I'm not saying it's good, but this is football, and these are the guys you're going to go up against. And to an extent, if you don't have a little bit of an edge to you, I think there's going to be somewhat of a ceiling. This is going to be a great opportunity to kind of grow up and be a man. And look, this is a completely different football team, and that's a good thing, but I haven't seen this shaking of the soft label. You know, I I understand, you know, Aaron Rodgers got hit and Devontae runs over and shoves the guy. Oh, yeah, cool, great. I mean, you guys have seen fights, right? 
I mean, you you want to know what I'm referring to? Go watch Martellus Bennett when he got face masked when he was with the Chicago Bears and he gets up and literally choke slams a rookie. Now, is he a dummy for doing that? Yes, he is. But that's the kind of crazy, violent kind of thing where you will not do that to me. And if this guy's going to post a picture of your teammate laying on the ground in the fetal position, flexing over him, bragging about it, and you don't show up to camp the next day and knock his head off, then I don't know what kind of a football team this is. An entire squad of people who watch this guy spit in your mouth and laugh and say, what are you going to do about it? And that's exactly what's happening. And I'll tell you right now, the Texans are going to show up expecting a fight, waiting for you to do something about it. They're ready. They know it's coming and they want it. They're ready for you to come do something so they can get into this fight. They, they came to Green Bay ready for a fight. I mean, this is essentially prison stuff here. Lonnie Johnson walked into your cell and stole your cupcakes, man. You have an obligation to walk over to his cell and beat him into the ground. I'm not kidding about this either. This legitimately has to happen, and I believe Matt LaFleur is expecting it to happen as well. You cannot let this happen. And again, if they don't put Lonnie Johnson out there, fine. Maybe you let bygones be bygones. But if he's out on the field and we're just going to shake hands, if that's the first thing you do is go over and shake hands and say, hey, look, we just want to have a good practice, I'm not okay with that. Again, somebody just walked up and stole your stuff. You go over to his cell, shake his hand, say, I respect you. Let's let bygones be bygones and please don't steal any more of my stuff. Yeah, he's going to steal more of your stuff. And the rest of this team is going to come in and start stealing your stuff. It was an entire team that lit up your team yesterday, and now they're bragging about it, and their coach is saying it's not a big deal. You got guys sitting in ice baths with twisted ankles, sore, banged, and bruised up because these guys are playing dirty, and you want to go over and shake his hand? Packers have had all day to marinate over this, to talk to each other about this. If the plan you come up with is to go over and shake hands, well, I you know, I guess we just can't shake that soft thing. This has to be fixed. And I promise you, the Texans are not going up to Lonnie Johnson and being like, hey man, that's not cool, you better apologize. The Texans right now see this and say, all right, it's on. That's it, that's the extent of it. Maybe they're not happy that Lonnie's doing it, but not one Texan is going to show up and get in, you know, on the Packers' side if things get a little heated. Somebody hits Lonnie and the Texans are coming for a fight. This is about backing up your teammates, and I know the Texans are going to back up Lonnie even though he's in the wrong. We have to back up Jace and Rashawn, and Trevor. Because again, I mean, and, and, and listen, this is all a good thing. I don't, I don't want this to sound dark or anything. I mean, this is, this is good. This is a part of, of, you know, coming into manhood in a sense, in a football sense, which is good because we got the Bears week one. You think the Bears are soft? The, if, if there's anything the Bears aren't, it's soft. You think the Vikings are soft? Listen, I, I, I think the Packers are a better team. That's all good and great. We have a better quarterback. We have better, 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 better. We're going to win the division. That's cool. Packers are soft. The Vikings are not soft. The Bears are not soft. It's time to man up. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't even want to necessarily call the Packers soft, but this is sort of a defining moment of who we're going to be in the season. We've got players ready to go. Billy Turner's ready to go right now. It's about putting it into action, and it's really about a culture, and that's that goes back to what Matt LaFleur said and why I appreciate that. He looks like he's sort of just a player guy, and he, you know, we're going to crank up the music, we're going to have some fun, but there's also a standard, and I agree with Matt LaFleur, and I'm sure Mike Pettin is also on board. We know he's a little crazy, and I'm sure Sean Menenga, he's going to slam a beer and go crack it over somebody's head. Right? He just he looks like one of those guys, but I agree with Matt, what Matt LaFleur essentially or allegedly said which was, again, more or less, do not 
start a fight because, you know, you, you don't want to be the Texans. I'm not saying, and I don't want to be the Texans. That's dumb. But you need to at least be the team that's not only professional and isn't going to start a fight, but if somebody does, you go take care of that situation. I agree that that's what needs to happen. And what I'm saying is this has not been taken care of. And if we're going to stand by that, and if Matt LaFleur is going to stand by what he said, and if the Packers are going to be, as Billy Turner said, a man of their word, and they're going to take care of this, and they're going to stand up for their guys, and they're not going to let somebody do this, this needs to be rectified. That's all I'm saying. So it should be a pretty interesting day, to say the least. And oh my goodness, I've been rambling for a long time. I'm going to be late to work. Oh, I got to go like right now. I'm going to be late. Getting a little heated here, folks. All right, I got to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye.